And the comment we got over and over is they really didn't feel like they had anyone else they could talk to about the way they felt that would understand, you know, Mm. like they thought they were crazy for wanting to be an entrepreneur. They thought they, you know, like, just take care of your family. What are you doing? You know, things like that that would come from their friends and their family. So they'd get together with our group and it would be, no, we get it. We all feel the same way. We're crazy. We, you know, we're not following the status quo. We're doing things outside of the norm and and we think it's okay. So you should too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of Moved Entrepreneur Evolved. And I'm with Nancy Meek. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually going to turn my volume up a little bit. And um, I'm going to start this out right. All right. If I did my homework right, we're going to be doing good. So what I did is I went and got these two wines real quick. (laughs) Okay. How am I doing? Am I doing all right? Did I start so off far, good? So, good. All right. so what I want to know is, and we'll go into why, but I want to know how you would pick a wine. So I've got two wines here. Let's find out where they're at. So I've got a, a Pinot Noir, a La Petite Grace. So here's our first start. Okay. Let's see. Where, where are we located? Maybe I can find something that we're located landscape golden hills doria i don't see where this is it has to say oh here we go it's a king city california wine okay then we have a sauvignon blanc out of california as well maxville winery so this one looks like the gold coast as well okay so you've got your bow. Let's see. This one's got 13.8% alcohol. These are important things. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if we have the other one here. So we've got a little more data on this one, the other one. So would you do okay. a Pinot or would you go with a cap? I am a big Pinot fan. Okay. So by default, I would always go to the Pinot Noir. But that doesn't mean cabs aren't great. They are. And the funniest part about me um, starting the wine club is that I am not a wine expert, even though everyone always thinks I am. And they're asking me about, you know, what this and that I prefer. But I'm kind of um, not really a wine snob at all. I mean, I have my favorites and that's what I drink. And they're not expensive. And I've had very expensive wine, but it is kind of funny. People are very interesting about wine, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think so that the beauty of, of, obviously this opens the door. Uh, that you did start uh, Phoenix Wine Club. And I think something that's really interesting to the conversation that you just said, um, and that is that you you don't have to be a wine snob or a perfectionist to start a business. Is that a fair statement? No, no. It was really kind of a lark. Um, It's it's called Scottsdale Wine Club, just to correct you. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, No, that's fine. And we just kind of did it because, well, when I started, I was talking to people and we were thinking it'd be fun because people seem to love wine and I wanted something that was networking, but not networking. And I knew it'd be a good way to grow an audience and meet people and make them feel comfortable. And it really pleasantly surprised me because the people that show up to our, we do a monthly tasting, kind of a happy hour. And then sometimes we do a bigger, fancier event. We've done some huge ones. And they don't just show up and exchange cards. 
they really, really talk and enjoy each other, make friendships. I've had people travel together outside of the group and become such good friends. Um, it was really kind of eye-opening. We've got over 2,000 members and, you know, they don't all show up at everything, of course. So we have another one coming up in Scottsdale next week, which will be a tasting. We've done big sit-down dinner events at the um, local resorts. And we had a huge one at the end of last year in one of the kitchen showrooms. It was really cool. We took all the different showroom setups that were there. We had a chef at each station cooking. We had wine pairings and live music. And that was really fun. Valet parking just made it a fun event. And it's, you know, it's not even a big moneymaker or anything. I can't claim that. It's really just social and, and it's fun. And it just took off. I think it's interesting because what we're talking about here is that you took an entrepreneurial stance, you know, obviously the podcast about entrepreneurs and taking ideas and making them happen. And um, as I was going through a lot of this stuff that you have there, it looks like it was like an add on to what you were already doing. Now you're in the lending business. I got that right. Yes, that is true. And I think that this is uh, an interesting conversation, uh, which means that you're really in the people business, right? Right. <laughs> in the people right. business to help them transact. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. That was, that's kind of your core business, correct? Right. And I originally was a loan officer for years. Now um, I'm with JFQ Lending and I'm doing the kind of business development, but I still do a lot involved with loan information too. But Got the it. relationship part is what I like. Yeah. So in that, um, I, I noticed, obviously we have a lot we can unpack here. You wrote a book as well. Um, I think that's super cool. Um, and, and going through that process, uh, I think that one of the things I noticed with you is that, you know, you have your core thing and what is the trigger that started you to add more to that? Because it looks like everything that you do, you have marketing 360, I'm sorry, not market. You have uh, women 360. Mm -hmm. Um, you have, uh, you also have the, the wine club. You also wrote mm -hmm. a book. Uh, what, what inspired you to not just do the job? And that was quite interesting to me about you as I went through it. You decided to kind of, if I say this correctly, you added sparkles or something like you added. You added <laughs> oh, the, I like that. Right? Like you already had the cupcake and you're like, hey, you know what? Let's throw some stuff out there. So what, what is it do you think that it was about yourself? Maybe this was younger age in you that you knew that there was something there. What is it that just said, look, I'm not just going to go and do the job. I'm going to add flavor to it, I guess would be a way to say that. Well, I think the simple beginning answer to that is what inspired the book, because it's about reinventing yourself. Mm -hmm. And so all my life, I've done gazillions of things. Uh, you know, I've been an esthetician, an EMT, a dental hygienist. I've just done all kinds of things. And it's because I'm always just super curious about, I want to try everything. And so when I got into the lending business, um, I didn't want to be the typical salesperson that was pushing things. I wanted it to be relationship-based. Mm. And what I do love is people. I mean, I'm a people person. So I thought, oh, how fun to just have the relationships come from other things. And the wine group fascinated me. I'm a big advocate for women. So my women's group sort of sprung up and that's just become a really fun surprise. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a part of reinventing yourself. You just have to kind of keep thinking of what else would interest you that you could be passionate about that would you know, kind of work for what you're doing, I think, you know, so. Yeah. I, I, I think that that was kind of what I pulled a lot from you was kind of finding other ways. And that's kind of what you explained it is that other ways to generate 
energy into relationships with which would obviously turn into kind of like a funnel in a way they could sure Mm -hmm. sure all of those audiences you know once they realize that you're genuine and they trust you and like you you know i'm not one to hawk anything over and over but they know what i do and Mm -hmm. if we're enjoying wine or i'm with my women's group and we're having a speaker you know if they think about questions about how this works or loans or anything to buy real estate they know to come to me because they can trust me And to take it a step further, the next thing we're doing, as we kind of reinvent again, in the women's group, I've had so many people wanting to know about investing Mm. in real estate. And back in the day, I don't know how many people remember 08, but my husband and I had invested in a lot of rental properties. We did hard money for flips and um, the market just collapsed, of course. So the trauma from that kept us from doing anything until now. So now I'm doing Airbnbs and they're great. you know, it's just a lot of fun. And so all these gals are kind of interested in this. So that's the tangent we're kind of going off now is combining the mortgage business and my experience there with my experience of investing and helping these gals that, you know, are curious about it, but just don't know how to start and they don't know who to ask. And so again, the trust factor kind of comes in where they know I won't lead them astray and I'll tell them how it really is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one more, you know, dimension of it, I suppose. Yeah, I think that um, I think those are those are really important. What, when you take on and decide that you're going to make a shift, do you feel like sometimes there's a sadness in the way that it used to be? It's going to be gone, or do you feel like you know what? Do you have the ability to just like let things go and keep going? Because I know a lot of people carry a lot of stuff with them. <laughs> That's true. Well, probably the thing I did the longest consistently was see patients in the dental office, and and I did have a hard time letting that go because. It wasn't about the teeth. It was about the patients. You know, they were all, I'd seen the same folks for 20 years and it was really hard to walk away from that. But I guess I sort of get to a point where I'm not as challenged. And so then I'm very motivated to find a way to make it better and do more and, you know, get satisfied from what I'm doing. I just don't want to leave any stone unturned, I suppose. Yeah. Which... Yeah. And what, um, you know, obviously everybody says, well, not everybody, but riches are in the niches can sometimes come out from a lot of people and, you know, going straight to wine, you kind of chose that. And then you had women 360. What was the story behind that? What made you decide that this is something that I'm going to lock in with women? Um, you see more of it than you've ever seen before our ability with social media to, you know, identify ourselves as in specific arenas together has never been that, you know, We've never been able to do it like this, right? It was like, go to church and find a right. group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was it that triggered you to say, look, I'm going to serve, you know, in this portion of it, I'm just going to serve women. What, what was it, do you think, that drove you as wanting to lead that charge for yourself? Could be partially because of my daughter. I mean, I also have a son, but uh, my daughter and I also are real close and she looks to me for a lot of things. And I had a lot of girlfriends and patients that would, quiz me about things. And and it just seemed to be like I was kind of a counselor by default. So I thought, well, I could probably put this to good use and really inspire a lot of women and make them feel stronger because I think, and it's never, you know, man bashing or anything like that. It's just the fact that, you know, there are a lot of women that deal with a lot of issues and they won't, um, they need to understand that they can go forward and they can do it. They just kind of need that voice, you know, of support. So we started experimenting with that that when I started with a partner Kathy Droz 
And we just found that women were really hungry for that. They wanted mm-hmm. to have a group that was genuinely supportive and not backbiting. They wanted to have somebody who would kind of lead the way and make them feel like they could do it. We'd bring in great speakers and do great events. And whenever you have someone leave one of your events and they say how much better they feel and how you know confident they feel, it's, it's so sad. Again, we don't make a ton of money from that either, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just really satisfying. And so it kind of just grew of his own volition. And um, we don't know everything, but it's, we definitely have a lot of people in our, you know, group that either know something we don't that can help contribute. And it's just a good synergy. What are some things that you find that hold, because you have more answers, obviously, than I do here, <laughs> that hold women back in those? Because there's always, you know, there's the story of like the alchemy, right? Or it's like you meet where that person is to teach you, meet you where you're at. And it sounds like from what you're saying is there's so many women out there that are being met at that point of the journey that there's like a need. What is what is it, do you think, some of the things that women hold themselves back and say, you know, hey, you know, I needed to hear that to move forward. What do you think that some of those things are? Well, I think largely a lot of it is just the fact that they need the confidence to understand that they're worth it and that they do need to put this, you know, idea out there and really follow it, make it work and believe in themselves. You know, sometimes there's shame involved. Sometimes there's uh, family matters that, you know, everybody else needs to come first. And I just, I, you know, can't do this for myself. Mm. So we just want to make people understand that, you know, these gals, if, if you have an idea and there's something you're passionate about, you know, it's okay to do it and explore it and build it yourself. You know, it's a good thing. And look at all of us in here doing it and we're making mistakes along the way and you will too. And it's fine. It's going to be fine. And that's, they just want the like-minded, I guess what I could tell you is we had one coffee meeting and that was the most mm. interesting piece. We had a lot of gals show up for a coffee one day And the comment we got over and over is they really didn't feel like they had anyone else they could talk to about the way they felt that would understand, you know, Mm. like they thought they were crazy for wanting to be an entrepreneur. They thought they, you know, like, just take care of your family. What are you doing? You know, things like that that would come from their friends and their family. So they'd get together with our group and it would be, no, we get it. We all feel the same way. We're crazy. We, you know, we're not following the status quo. We're doing things outside of the norm and, and we think it's okay. So you should too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's kind of how that happened. And I, you know, people do seem to want that. There's a group of us that are, you know, just thinking a little different than everybody else. And you also, I'm sure because of obviously the conversation and what you have is you have people that are doing businesses. And then when they're in with women, 360, they're in with women. They're just like, oh, this is the next level, right? Because there's mm-hmm. there's like these levels to the game. When's the last time you felt that next level of the game? For myself? Yeah. Oh, well, I think going into this, the real estate investing will be a huge next level because I've sort of a little backstory on that, which is kind of a funny story. Yeah. I sort of shut that down because of the experiences we had. And one of them was not only losing everything because of the market which I couldn't control but we had a partner as well and we had a lot of money tied up together and we did the flips and the hard money and it went great for a while and all of a sudden he kind of disappeared and he was the one holding all our money of course so we got a hold of him he reassured us things went back on track and then he disappeared again and what he had done is go to Mexico and tried to buy a resort and he took all the money from his investors us included 
and he spent it on this and then he lost it. So he didn't want to tell anyone. So he went to the cartel down there and he borrowed from them and he couldn't pay them back. And that's not a game you play. So they murdered him. <laughs> and so hold on, we find out our hold money's on. gone. I mean, yeah. You just, you just literally changed the whole podcast. So he murdered Yes. I so, wasn't ready for this, Nancy. Okay. I know. So we find okay. out the guy is dead. It's like, well, there goes our money. So now we lost <laughs> every, all of our homes and our money. And so that's why okay, I wasn't ready for this. Years. Hold on. No, I got to unpack this. I can't just like <laughs> move on. All right. Hold on. Let's, okay. I'm, I'm sure he was a good person in other areas of his life. So it's <laughs> of everything on it. So wait a minute. So you decide you're in business with him. How long were you in business with him? Oh, for years. Um, we had been friends and I, I'll say eight years. Did you, did you have, like, when you look back, do you go, ah, like, did you, did things connect or did he do it so abruptly? No, he kind of went off the rails. Cause when I even talked to the attorney later who had been in touch with him the last several months of everything, and he knew more about the story, he apparently had gotten a girlfriend down there. So he'd left his wife, which we didn't know. Um, I guess twice the cartel tried to give him a warning. Like he said, oh, they're apparently they were driving on the road one day, a bunch of them in cars that were his employees. And then these guys pull up with all their guns and pull them off the road and look in the cars and he wasn't in the car. So they let him go. And then another time they came to his office and they looked for him and they couldn't find him. So they just used their guns and headbutt all these people in the office. Those were the warnings. And we didn't know any of this. And so I just, he was kind of a normal, good guy. Even the lawyer said, yeah, he was a great guy until he decided to go off and go crazy. What do you think? Because this is actually interesting because people that are in business, everybody has a pretty crazy story if you're in law. <laughs> right? You're always yeah. like, I didn't know what the heck happened. You know, I have, I have a scenario where, you know, I had a business partner that was like stealing and then it seemed like it was like, I got put on it. I'm like, I don't steal. This isn't going to, and come to find out, you know, someone didn't say anything. They were stealing some stuff in the back. I'm like, this is, uh, this is ludicrous. What are we doing here? What do you think it is about people that have like really good intentions? Cause I have no doubt in my mind from just even listening to you that the partnership had good intentions in the beginning. I mean, you definitely, oh, yeah. what, what do you think it is in people that we change? Where, where do you think that changes? Do you think it's just more power? What do you think that is? Well, in his case, I think he just got very greedy. And so when he thought, oh, I'll go down here and I'll just buy this, you know, resort and I'm going to turn it into this great thing. And then it became a very heady goal for him that he would have be able to brag about having built this beautiful resort, but it took all the money of everybody he trusted to do it. And so he just went from greed to, I'm just desperate now. And then it went from there and lost all, all logic for sure. Was that, uh, was it Arizona, like Porta Penasco or? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. it, you know what, what year was that? That he was killed? No, no. What year was the invest? What year did he try to do that? Oh, well, it would have been right after 08. Because that's when was, everything kind so of fell apart. I was out there in 2005, I think, 2006 or something like that. And yeah. um, I remember everybody was investing out there. Like they were going to try to make yeah. that the biggest new thing. 
Um, and it had a lot of cool potential the way they laid it all out. Um, right. It actually was really cool. What is that? Rocky Point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. He tried so, to get um, us to invest there, but we just didn't have any interest, but it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you're interested at all. So how did you at that point, I mean, kind of jumping forward, this is really good life lessons for people because the question is at that point, not only did your connect is gone, your money is then gone. You're, mm-hmm. you're then obviously, what are you going to do? Call the cartels and say, no, that's over <laughs> with, right? That's yeah, done. Yeah. So what is it? What's the next move? I mean, what's the conversation that you have, you know, with your loved ones at, at that point? What is, what did that look like? Well, our, my husband and I just, you know, kind of licked our wounds and figured out that, well, this was bad timing in many ways because of him and the market and everything else. So, I mean, the good news is we didn't have all of our money with him. So we were able to kind of pick up the pieces and go on. We definitely felt it because it was going to be some retirement income. But um, that's really what, the, sadly, the thing it did is keep us from investing until now, because I would have jumped in again much sooner, probably, and had time to build up more. But it, we were just so gun shy for so long. It was, it's just now that we're jumping back in and it's, you know, a whole different story. But yeah, it's, it's not something that you love, but I, you're right. Almost everyone I talk to has some kind of a story that just derailed them at some point. It, and it was kind of like a WTF, right? You're like, where? Yeah. Like, I didn't even plan any of this. Like, why didn't you let me know? I wasn't involved, you know? So, you, know. so you, you go from there, you go back to your core. I'm assuming your core skill, right? You see, go back to Lenny, kind of go from there. And then your kind of entrepreneurial spirit, spirit can kick back in. I think that it's like, it's really important to have that conversation that there has to be kind of a rewind, right? I mean, not a rewind. There has to be a, a wind up again because you've yes. lost all momentum. You just mm-hmm. feel defeated. And then you kind of got to get that wheel turning. Um, interesting enough, this is maybe a good conversation is that we are in interesting times when it comes to real estate. And so you have a lot of internet entrepreneurial funds that are now being generated by either having people doing large amounts of coaching, experts create courses, either they're going out and doing crypto, whatever it is, it's not, it's not, you know, I went and got a job and now I've worked my way up at the hotel or so. Where, when people are looking at it, knowing that you just went through that, looking at prices as of today and making a decision to invest, what's your thought pattern as entrepreneurs stepping out? Because there is that's what's happening now. You're taking kind of this new chunk of money and people are going to real estate. They're going to move it from anybody that's been around for the last five years. They're looking at these prices going, what the heck is going on? So what's your thought pattern on, on looking at an investment or Airbnb? Is there any rules of thumb that you would suggest of like, okay, this is how you should make a good decision on doing a property or not. It's kind of a loaded question, but. Yeah, well, one of the things that the company that's going to branch off that does the um, investing is going to be called Flip Chicks. So, you know, and originally, thanks. And so everybody was wanting to know how to flip the properties. But right now, that's tougher than ever, because you've got to make your money when you buy. So when you buy a flip, you've got to know you're getting in with some kind of room for equity to make money when you sell it, right? So what I have found is if you're going to do this for investing an Airbnb is a fantastic vehicle because the money you're making is really from the rental. So if you end up having to pay market value for this 
house or condo or whatever it is, as long as you've done your homework about where you're purchasing and it has demand and it's available in its demand many seasons of the year, you can still come out great and you don't have to worry about, oh, I need to buy it under market. I need to get a foreclosure. You can just buy it at market value. And if it's in the right place and you manage it well, you'll still make great money. And it's way better than the buy and hold where you're renting for a year at a time. You know, those are still good too. And you can do that with something that you pay, re, you know, market for, I guess. But I'm just a big fan of the Airbnb because as long as you're in a good location, the one we have is in Munns Park, which is up by Flagstaff up north of Phoenix. So that. there's the skiing. And then in the summer, it's like everybody is flocking out of Phoenix to go up north. And it's only an hour and 45 minute drive, but it's cool and there's trees. So that was kind of a good spot to pick. And, you know, we did do some remodeling on that one. We bought one that needed some work. And the other problem you run into is that you make a lot of offers. And if you're not paying cash, it takes a while because this is a really cash heavy market right now. You know, so people are trying to buy their first home. I always feel bad for them because we'll get them all pre-qualified and they'll go out and they'll make offers and then a cash buyer will take it, you know. So that's a challenge and it's not the same in every market, but if you can get one, whether it needs a fix up or it's turnkey, you can start making money pretty quickly off of that. So I think it's a little easier and safer than trying to flip a property where you're pretty sure I'm going to do all this work and I'm going to make 50,000 and by the time you're done you're in the hole so how many have you came to a conclusion on how many days you need to have it rented to make it profitable as an airbnb yeah if we um i think we figured out but see that also the thing with airbnb is they have algorithms where the the amount that you charge varies even from week to week and season to season and so depending on what you charge, typically two weekends would help us break even at the, the fee that, yeah, that we're charging now. So if somebody comes in for a full week and then a few more weekends and you're, you're profiting. So it depends on what you're putting into the property itself. We had quite a bit of work to do. We tore out the kitchens and the bathrooms and really did a big remodel. Sometimes you can buy one and just jump in and start renting it. So you're not even waiting, but um, yeah, I mean, as long as you structure it where you know what your expenses are and how much you need to rent it to make that profitable, it's, I think it's a nice business model because you're not worrying about, oh my gosh, I hope when I turn around and sell this, I make something. So. Yeah. And I think that, um, the other thing it seems too, is that you're furnishing it and then the goal is to keep it looking the same way throughout its mm -hmm. process, Right. So it's yeah. not like you're having a renter come in, maybe wreck things for a certain amount of time. And then, you know, you have to fix it every time they leave and go through that process. How have you found um, new people doing this? Some people could have done it a bunch of times, but um, just the, the management of that, because the structure is maybe a little bit different, right? You have more guests. Yeah. So do you yeah. find trying to do it yourself or do you like the idea of um, specialized Airbnb management teams? Oh, I had zero interest in managing it myself because, you know, having done rentals back in the day, I just, I did not want any part of that. Plus it's in Munns Park, so it's far away and you need somebody who can be there turning it over every time and keeping an eye on things. So uh, I started looking into different management companies and the one that we went with is called Evolve. And um, so far, so good. I can always 
let people know as time goes by. But it's great because they take a percentage, but they do all the photography. They market it on all the platforms. They write the content. Um, they give you connections for the people that would come and clean in between and take care of things. So I have a gal that does that. Her husband's a handyman. So if things happen, he can fix those. And I can call. And as a matter of fact, I did because we just had a guest over the weekend and it was kind of chilly. So I had called and asked her to get the heat going that day before they checked in. So she went over and did that. And there's just no way I would want that that headache. No, I would totally say, unless it's right down the street from you, yeah. get a management company. Yeah. And do you think that this is going to be the thing? You think this is the norm now? You think Airbnbs is going to be the way that we try? I mean, basically it's a hotel, it's a hotel in someone's house. Do you think that that's locked in? Do you think? I kind of do. I kind of, I mean, I still stay in hotels occasionally too. Um, and that's great. It has its place, but if you're going, for instance, you're going with your family and you have little kids and you want to all be in one place or you want to go with another family and split the cost and have a lot more room, but have a kitchen and, you know, separate bedrooms and more space and a laundry room. It's, you know, it's a good alternative, really. So I think it's here to stay uh, unless they change a bunch of laws on us. Uh, um, where do you think that as entrepreneurs are running this game and because you kind of sit in both, both facets of the way um where do you think that point is where people should be looking at those type of opportunities what should their like entrepreneurial life look like you think they you know what does that look like should they have x amount saved what do you think that that apex is i guess where is that moment well you have to be willing to be a tiny bit of a risk taker anytime you invest so it's not not everyone's going to feel like they want to take that chance um but again, I think it's a little less risky because you can buy for as a little, like the next one we're gonna get is probably gonna be a condo in Scottsdale because I also wanna take advantage of the people that flood to Scottsdale. And, and I don't wanna have any kind of maintenance or anything, just a condo where mm. they've got a, you know, a community pool, a community gym, so it's all there for them. But you do have to do some numbers and some research and figure out here's what it would cost me if I'm taking out a loan. Number one, you're gonna have to, make a loan payment and you have utilities. So you have to understand that as it goes forward, it's not a guarantee it'll be rented every week. And so if you don't cover your expenses, can you cover all the expenses that would happen if no one rents it? You kind of have to be prepared for that. And just furnishing it. I mean, you've got to buy all the stuff, you know, to furnish it too. So it's a little are, bit are of you a finding heavy... yourself kind of putting yourself in a position where you're like, my goal is to act to buy five a year or have you, mm -hmm. is that, have you done that? Yeah, I, I'm shooting for four this year. So we'll see if I can get all those in place and find the best locations because you really have to pay attention to where they are because you want to have that demand or maybe you have a connection to traveling executives that have a certain spot they need to stay or traveling nurses near a hospital. There's different strategies you can do, but um, as long as you can pick a good place and I would like to do one that's turnkey next time. <laughs> so we don't have to rebuild everything. And then you're just jump in and start renting it right away. There's that. But, um, you know, and then if it's a place you also like, that's a bonus because we'll use this up north in the summer occasionally. So like, that's uh, just it's of... like having a time, a timeshare of your own, mm -hmm. but also kind of, you know, I, I wish I had bought in a place in, in Vegas in a condo on the strip and 
it wasn't yeah. it was before all this was happening and i look back and i'm like that's what you know that was one of those properties in 2008 that you're like i guess i'm not going to be having that one anymore uh-huh. <laughs> moved on to having to get rid of other properties and try to keep other ones that you have those were very interesting times no one knew what to do it was like everybody kind of looked to each other and they're like you're supposed to know what to do <laughs> nobody really knew you know, what to do during those times. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, it, it was crazy. So um, as you go through this entrepreneurial journey and you've kind of gone through it, um, we, when you look back, and I always ask this question because I think it's a very interesting one. When you were much younger, and I would say I like 15 years old and younger, when was one of the first times that you found yourself putting like you knew that you kind of could be a leader. I think that there's certain parts of people that I meet that always have this attribute and they can always look back in their life and like, that was the turning point. I remember that. Do you have a time when you were younger where you said, where you thought you'd be quite independent and kind of try to build your own stuff? Did you have that? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I always was sort of the go-to person when people needed advice. And so that's just sort of puts you in a position right away of feeling like, oh gosh, people are, you know, value what I have to say and what I think. So there's that. And then I always thought a little differently because I just had a much bigger curiosity than most people. I wasn't easily satisfied. So where somebody else could say they want to go and do this and that was enough for them, it wasn't ever enough for me. So I suppose those would be the things that were different. And you you basically would just chase it until you found whatever that answer was. Yes, much to my husband's dismay. Yes. <laughs> that's actually an interesting, that's an interesting statement. You know, when you have, I sometimes I look at entrepreneurship and I, and you see a lot of people that are very, uh, sometimes end up solo a lot because this entrepreneurial world takes you in some very strange ways as, as a partner, as, as a wife and obviously family is mm-hmm. that, how have you found to balance those things? Well, number one, he is really supportive. He's he's the exact opposite as far as being entrepreneurial. And I think he kind of likes living through the crazy with me. So um, even though some days he's rolling his eyes going, what are we doing now? You know, I just can't even. And I would get license after license. And he, his joke is, where are we going to hang this one? You know, here's your aesthetic one. Here's your dental hygiene. Here's your mortgage license. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm curious. I want to learn these things, you know. So he would just always kind of go along and crack up and make jokes and hang them on the wall. But um, you've got to have somebody who gets how you are and doesn't try to stifle it, you know, because I mean, I do wacky things. I, I'm part of a very high-end mastermind called Apex. And I go once a month to Dallas and meet with all these people and fly out there. And he doesn't get what in the heck I even like that for, but he's like, okay, you go. You're, I know you need to do that. So you have to have somebody who understands that you're just driven and It'll make their life more interesting too. So if they can just look at it that way, you know, I think it, it's kind of a cool thing. So, and my kids have definitely become entrepreneurial as a result too. And their dad is a very hard worker. So they get the work ethic from him as well. And um, I don't think there's anything bad about it. I mean, we do have a lot of family that thinks I'm crazy. There is that. So, (laughs) you know, it's, um, it's always good when, you know, you just said that you went to Apex or whatever. It's nice when you get around other people that are kind of your crazy too, because then you kind yeah. of, you know, you're not alone and you kind of like, I, am I weird about thinking like this? And you're like, no, I thought about that too. What was your decision to, um, in, from, I, 
you can go into explaining what it is or the, but Apex is, is a group where you can go and, mm-hmm. and network with other high network people trying to make moves. What was that like for you? Um, and you've probably done this just from kind of child, but what was that like for you to make a decision like that to say, look, I'm going to go kind of hang out with these other people to make better decisions or what was that decision process like for you? Because a lot of people have to try and make those decisions and those are important decisions. What was it like for you? I thought it was pretty life-changing and I wish I'd have done it sooner. But Mm. the interesting thing about it is there are different levels as there are in many of these groups. And so at the higher level, when I came in, um, basically there was only one other female and then she left. So I was the only female for a while, which was interesting. It's a room full of guys, you know, all these dudes, but they were so welcoming and so supportive and so nice and inclusive. Nobody, you know, made me feel like I didn't belong. It was great. And um, Ryan, the leader of the group, he was just amazing. And I, I think, you know, everything went so much smoother and faster from that point on. I really wish I'd have done something sooner like that. So I, I'm a big advocate for getting coaching and being around those kind of What folks. do you think that what? Because you kind of said something, but it's kind of like, it's not saying something in a sense. It's like, what, what is it that, and it's not meaning you're hiding to hide it, but what my point is, is that you're definitely, there's something that, is it, do you think it's the vibration that you get that changes? Do you think it's the seeing other doors open that you didn't see? What is it that you think that, ha- that happens to somebody that goes through that process? and being involved in like a bigger group of something, right? What do you think it is? Well, kind of like you were saying, I mean, it, it, it sort of um, justifies the way you feel. And you do realize that there is everybody else trying to do what you're doing, and some of them doing it way better than you. So obviously, you learn from that. And then if someone else needs to learn from you, they can too. And it's just a really, really great synergy of energy of everybody helping each other if you're in the right kind of group and they're genuine and they're really growing and learning and sometimes you just you get lost in your way too and you trip over your own feet so you need that clarity of all the people around you are saying oh I've been through that I did that too and this is what helps me and and just the training in general that the group brings it's just an incredible group of very intelligent people super entrepreneurial very hardworking, crazy hardworking. And I just think that if you're going to be serious about, you know, going forward and doing something like that, you have to have that kind of group around you where you've got a mentor you can go to when you really, really feel like you need it. And, you know, it's, and it's a constant thing we're doing. So as soon as you go get away from that, and maybe you get a little sidetracked again, you go back and get your head right again. You're like, Oh, good. That's right. I'm on the right track. And here's something new I can add. And I've never had a time where it didn't pay off and at least feel like, oh, thank goodness I have these people I can talk yeah. to, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's um, one of the things that I think comes across with you is you're a natural leader. And even in that, you, ch- you choose to go and be involved in other groups that, you know, what is it? Try not to be the smartest room and in the uh, well, person in the room, right? I mean, that's- the- Oh yeah, and I am definitely not. <laughs> There but are there's some a lot really of rooms I think that you are. I mean, you oh. know that you know you've you've said it for many years. You were the person to come to. I think that's such a good testament to people realizing like sometimes you feel like you're the only person that can be the leader. You ever get that? I sometimes feel like I've been in leadership positions so many different times that I'm like, well, I've only I always have to go to myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I guess, until this group because you know the, these guys are in light years ahead of me in so many ways, depending on who you're talking to there. And they're all in different types of businesses, but 
at the end of the day, there's always something you can glean from it and someone else that, you know, you can maybe help. And it's, I just can't imagine that I would be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't have, you know, become a part of that. I think it's pretty huge. Well, that's really cool. Well, Nancy, I've had a really good time. Where do, where do people find you? Where do they find you? You've got such a, an array of skills. I just feel like I could talk to you forever. <laughs> where, could, where could they, where can people find you? Well, I'm on all the social media. So Instagram is at Nancy Meek one. And I've got a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page. Um, even the website from JFQ Lending, you can go there because I'm there and just about ready to put out some new emails. So it'll be nancy at nancytmeek.com because we're going to start with the flip chicks. And oh, that's right. Flip chicks. And then where do they get your book? I want to send someone there. Oh, it's on Amazon. I'll show you what it looks like real quick. All right. <laughs> it's Ignite the Fire Within, How to Find the Resilience to Reinvent Yourself. Oh, and it's actually kind of cool. It's a lot of good stories in there besides mine. Oh, there's other stories that are in there that relate to the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything it goes back to we're of. not the only crazy one, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's everything from people that had to do it because they were divorced or facing illness. Or some people that like Frank Shankowitz, he just wanted to do the program he did because he wanted to give back. So it's just all kinds of stories that make people realize, you know, you can go out and do that too. That's a good way to finish it. Thank you so much. I've had such a good time, Nancy. Thank you so much. Thank I you. Close this out with the Me moon. too. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.